You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court opened the door for legal sports betting across the country. It struck down a federal law from 1992 that banned sports gambling in most states, saying that law was unconstitutionally rendered. The decision doesn't legalize sports gambling outright, but it gives states the authority to allow that activity. So now the question is, what will Michigan do? And if lawmakers in Lansing do vote to legalize sports betting, what would it mean for our economy, our sports organizations, and for people who engage in this activity? Our first guest is a state lawmaker who introduced a bill to authorize sports gambling even before the Supreme Court handed down its decision. Representative uh, Representative Robert Kozowski is a Democrat from Westland, representing Michigan's 16th State House District, and he's the sponsor of that bill. Representative Kozowski, welcome to Detroit Today. How you doing, Stephen? Good to hear from you. Um, also, we want to hear from you, listeners. What do you think of the idea of legalizing sports betting here in the state of Michigan. Are you in favor of that? Do you think it's something that we can use to raise money, for instance, uh, for the things that we need, roads, education, as as one of those activities we can tax and get money to do things a little better than we do them? Uh, Also, do you see yourself betting on the occasional game? We are a big sports town. Is this going to become a big part of the way we enjoy sports around Metro Detroit? Also, how will this affect our economy? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Robert Kozowski, um, let's talk about this bill. What would your bill do uh, in the state of Michigan? Sure. So the, I introduced this back in 2015. You know, back in 1992, as you mentioned, with PASPA, uh, you were given an option for states to have legalized gambling, sports gambling, and only uh, Nevada and a couple other ones took place. So that was a long time ago. I'm looking outside the box. I'm looking at something that people are already doing. Like you said, this is a big sports town, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, you know, people like to bet on those games. They're doing it now either online illegally or through a legal bookmaker. And my idea is let's fix these roads. Let's get you know, our insurance back in, in check. Let's uh, help our educational system. Uh-huh. Let's fund our schools. And it's one of the things that, you know, we really don't know how much this could bring in because of the underground black market. But we had an expert from William Hill uh, bookmaking out of Vegas come in and he testified that he took a small sampling from Nevada and out of three counties and they estimated about a $300 million uh, windfall for the state. Now, if you put the whole entire state of Michigan, it could go in from 300 million, maybe up to a billion dollars. And let's, hmm. you know, we can get some smooth pavement out there. Yeah, right. That's right. Stop. I, stop rattling that, around. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'm driving right now. Are so you? I'm, I'm <laughs> right. Um, so, so the the flip side of that argument always is that uh, you know with betting with gambling come a lot of other concerns and and potential vices. Right. Uh, this idea 
that uh, that gambling is sort of preying on people. Uh, the idea that uh, you know it's handled irresponsibly. How do how do you answer those concerns? Uh, with so, yeah, go ahead. It's a good concern because I care about people. Casinos have helplines. They have people that are monitoring. Uh, if it's taking place in a casino, their job is to recognize a problem gambler and try and help them. Is it 100% foolproof? No. But here's the real thing, Stephen. If that's the case, if we think that these vices are bad and gambling's bad, then I say blow up the whole system. Mm-hmm. Blow up the bingos. Blow up the charity pokers. Blow up the lottery. Blow up the scratch-offs because that's gambling. And we don't say anything about that. $924 million is going into school aid from the lottery, so I don't want to get rid of it. But look at all the money that we could bring in. And look at the biggest factor of all, tourism. I mean, if you think about the destination point that these Detroit casinos could bring in, I could go right across the river and gamble all I want on sports. We're missing the, the, the boat on this one. But isn't there also a concern that uh, if you if everybody is able to legalize sports betting, then it doesn't become special. Uh, and so really the, what you're talking about is generating revenue from people who already live here. I mean, if, if I could go to Windsor uh, to do that, uh, why would why would people um, from Windsor come here or why would people from Ohio come here to do it if they could do it in Toledo or Columbus? Sure. So every state is going to have this opportunity. We are acting fast. We're being prudent, but we also are looking to do something pretty quick, be ahead of the curve. Uh, and with Windsor, Stephen, you can only bet on parlay games. So you have to combine three teams. My legislation, you could just go and bet $20 on the Tigers. You can't do that in Windsor. It has to be a total of three-team parlays. And a lot of people don't bet that way. And I just think people like to come and, you know, instead of sitting at their house, like, hey, let's all go down to Detroit, let's go eat, and then let's watch this football game. I just think it's going to create that atmosphere. I'm not going to say it's going to be like Vegas, but I'm pretty sure that people are going to, you know, coordinate their schedules around the Detroit Lions to go down there and, and maybe bet on them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Robert Kozowski, Democrat from Westland, who represents Michigan's 16th State House District, sponsor of a bill that would authorize sports betting here in Michigan. Thanks very much for being here. Well, thank you very today. much. Great show. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, up next, we're going to continue our conversation about sports gambling with a consultant in Vegas. He's going to talk to us about what casinos and other uh, institutions in the gambling establishment think about this and tell us a little more about what might change as sports betting becomes legal uh, across the country. Also, we want to hear from you. Do you see sports gambling being popular in our sports? Sports Heavy Town, 313-577-1019 is always the number. On the phones, we'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about sports betting and how it will change now that the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that all states 
must be allowed to create opportunity for it. Brendan Bussman is the Director of Government Affairs at Global Market Advisors, a consulting firm with clients in the gambling and hospitality business. And since this week's ruling, his firm has been getting inquiries from casino operators, Native American tribes, and states, all wondering what's possible and what is next. Brendan Bussman, welcome to Detroit Today. Welcome. I appreciate the welcome and uh, glad to be on your program this morning. Sure. So uh, let's start with this. What does this really mean for the existing brick and mortar casinos that we have in places like Detroit? Uh, I would say for states like Michigan and especially cities like Detroit that have brick and mortar facilities, it gives those uh, facilities a jump on the ability to conduct sports betting. Um, And specifically, uh, because of those that uh, uh, have operations already that exist in here in Nevada, and the ability to continue those solid practices uh, to be able to do that. Now, obviously, one of the things, and the uh, representative that was on uh, before talked about, uh, we obviously have to legalize it in the state of Michigan first. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a very rigorous process that you want to make sure gets done right. Uh, because you want to make sure the tax right, the tax is right, so that it generates uh, a reasonable amount of revenue, but doesn't hinder the operation. Um, because one thing, and and this is the thing I, I will couch in anything I talk about with states and and tribes across the country is, there's a lot that's wagered on sports, but the amount that goes back to the operator to cover their taxes and operations uh, is only about five percent of the total amount wagered. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, is this a, a, a windfall for everyone? No, but you'll see an additional bump, uh, especially with the brick-and-mortar facilities, because it will mean uh, maybe they'll game a little bit more, maybe they'll stay at a restaurant a little bit longer or go to one uh, or stay at a hotel room or do other things uh, in and around the casino. Hmm. Uh, we had a caller earlier who couldn't stay on the line, and she was curious about the history of this, of this issue, you know, she want to know how sports betting became illegal in the first place. I think that's a really good question because uh, I'm not sure everybody is really familiar with how that all happened. A- absolutely, and would, and would love to give the history off of that. And, and there's, you know, the, the impetus for PASPA, uh, which is the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992, was that there was a negative impact off of sports betting, both amateur and professional sports. And to protect the integrity of those sports, they wanted to ban uh, betting on those uh, activities. At the time, uh, there were only four states that allowed it in some form or fashion, Delaware, Oregon, Montana, and Nevada. And uh, those four states were grandfathered in when PASPA passed um, uh, back in 92. The interesting thing is the champion of the bill was a gentleman by the name of Bill Bradley, who was a senator from New Jersey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and fast forward 20-some years later, it was actually New Jersey, uh, and then Governor uh, Chris Christie, who uh, threw a ballot initiative initially uh, through the state of New Jersey, and then the um, laws to legalize it uh, once that passed uh, on the ballot, uh, that then had uh, the challenge from the NCAA and then uh, took it to the Supreme Court and was heard uh, in December of last year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in the room when they when they heard the case um, and then obviously ruled earlier this week and overturned it, uh, you know, obviously based off of the issue, but 
you know, people need to understand the Supreme Court ruling was was uh, as much about states' rights as it was about the gaming issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. We are talking about sports betting, the possibility of it coming here to Michigan, the possibility of it coming to uh, other places around the country following the U.S. Supreme Court decision uh, this week. Uh, what do you think about the idea of betting on sports? Is that something you want to do here in Metro Detroit? Think of how big of a sports town this is, or are you somebody who worries about the idea of expanding gaming, expanding gambling beyond what we have? As always, the number is 313-577-1019 on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Um, you know, I, I wonder how quickly you think uh, states around the country will respond to something like this, um, uh, Brendan. But, but then I also wonder how quickly it will expand beyond the sort of brick and mortar uh, uh, possibilities. I mean, I'm thinking about my smartphone, for instance, and how you can do all kinds of things on that. How quickly might I be able to to, to use you know uh, that for sports betting in a local in a local fashion? Well, one thing that we have been advising uh, states, tribes, uh, operators across the way is is to look uh, significantly at the mobile option. And, and I'll give you a couple reasons why. We've had mobile wagering in Nevada here for a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, how it first off works, I think that's the important thing, because people say, well, how, how easy and accessible is this? Is if you were to set up a mobile account, you, one, have to go into a brick-and-mortar facility. You have to justify who you are, so you have to legitimately say, I'm Brendan Bussman, and I'd like to open up an account. Um, and then you're able to fill that account. And it's very much on the on the operator to know your customer. It's called KYC, one of the regulations we take care of here, mm -hmm. um, to make sure you know who's actually betting. And then once that's set up, then you can wager online, you can refill your account at a kiosk, so on and so forth. But that's the initial part. Um, I will say one of the reasons why we advocate for that is in this modern day to recoup uh, the illegal market, those that, you know, I, I guarantee if you can go down anywhere, probably a, to, to a bar outside of even one of the sporting facilities in Detroit, you probably could find a bookie pretty quick if you wanted to. Some of those bookies have apps on their uh, apps on their phones, so you don't even have to call them anymore. Um, and, and back in the days when everybody said, you know, they'd page their bookie and that sort of stuff off the illegal market. Mm -hmm. So really to compete with that market, you need that online tool to be able to do that, and that's why you need to have those that want to operate in a regulated legal market, say like the brick-and-mortar facilities in Detroit, to be able to have that option because whether it's a bookie down the street or the offshore book in the Caribbean, um, those guys all have mobile devices too, and, and you need to figure out a way to, to put yourself on a level playing field with them. Yeah. Uh, so, so are we likely to see really quick – response from states i mean uh, we just our last guest was a state rep here in michigan who'd already introduced a bill to try to get this done is that something that's going to happen pretty consistently across the country or do you think it'll have some regional dynamic associated with it i think you're going to see an initial bump here in the next couple months between uh the next three states that are going to move is obviously new jersey delaware and mississippi uh, those will be probably the first three that move and, and I would say have active bets, 
you know, in some cases within the next few weeks. And and, um, and with that, well, so let me ask Go you ahead. about. So let me ask you about some place like Mississippi. This is a place that doesn't have a, a lot of professional sports. I mean, the closest really is in New Orleans. What 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 would be the purpose of of acting quickly there? Well, so they already had something on the books, um, and they were able to move quickly because it was already a approved uh, use. And so all they had to do is write the regs to be able to do that. I know the regs actually came out yesterday. Um, I personally haven't had a chance to review them. I've been going through all 50 states and following legislation over the last year Mm -hmm. um, that have tried to preemptively do this um, and obviously then write the regs and and go through to see who's suitable and who's going to be allowed to be able to conduct in that. But, you know, Mississippi, uh, as people may or may not know, does have several casinos down on the coast. It does, right. uh, And and those and those casinos uh, want to have that as an additional amenity uh, to provide to their guests. Um, The other state, I will say, that has legalized it um, that uh, will will be delayed in doing that also as a state like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania last October um, legalized sports betting as part of a, a reform to their gaming act. Uh, they unfortunately put a tax rate in of 36%. Um, putting a tax rate of 36% on sports betting almost makes it nearly impossible to run sure. uh, because the margins are so slim. So I know Pennsylvania has actually reached out to us already to say, what things do we need to do to make our Sports Wagering Act, which I think is Chapter 13C of their of their regs, to be able to say, how do we make it attractable so the operators here can actually add that as an amenity? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim on Twitter says, legalized sports betting is just a conspiracy to get Pete Rose inducted to the MLB Hall of Fame. Change my mind. <laughs> Jim, thanks very much. <laughs> Uh, for that for that comment, and as always, like I said, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Richard on Twitter says people gambling while Rome burns. Uh, sort of dark <laughs> prediction there, I guess, uh, about the effect here. Um, you know, Brendan, I'm wondering what what you make of the the, the potential dark side of all of this. Right? The, are we are we likely to see the expansion of uh, you know, gambling addiction, uh, which we which we hear about, uh, uh, you know, through PSAs and commercials all the time. Are we likely to see more crime associated with with this kind of thing? Uh, and if so, uh, what's the what's the pushback? I guess against that. How do you how do you make that not have the effect that it could? Well, I, I would say two things, and, and, I'll, and I'll take them separately, because one, I think we want to talk about the addiction that people are concerned about, and the second one is the crime. Um, I'll, I'll sort of take that one first is uh, it actually will, will, will help probably reduce crime, because you already have illegal activity going on today, so you're able to catch it and actually deal with it, assuming you set up a strict regulatory environment that allows you to do it to compete with the illegal bookie that's out there. So to that extent, I think it helps clean up uh, the problems that, that, that exist today. Uh, with regard to the addiction portion, uh, I can show you countless times, and, and uh, Michigan and Detroit specifically already have any effect you'd have with gaming. Um, you have casinos there. You guys have the lottery. Uh, you have other means, means to gamble, but you also have the support mechanisms in place, and operators – um, have, uh, you know, responsible gaming programs. I myself am very familiar with them. When I was on the operator side, I wrote a global program for one of the global companies 
uh, that was all evidence-based to understand how it works to make sure people have the right resources. And, you know, for that small percentage, which is about 2%, um, that are afflicted with some sort of problem gambling, um, there need to be those resources there. But I'll say this is there, there was a recent study released in Singapore, um, that's had gaming and casino gaming, uh, for about, uh, eight years. And while the amount of people, uh, that gamble in the, uh, city state of Singapore has expanded, uh, significantly from when it started, uh, the rate of problem gambling has remained consistent over the course of time. So, and the, with the right resources in place, we can get help for those that need it. Hmm. Uh, I'm also curious about the ruling itself here. Uh, what the court said was that Congress acted uh, improperly in in uh, in the law that it passed. It didn't say that Congress doesn't have the right to enact a law like that. It just doesn't think it did it in the right way. Is there concern uh, in the industry that Congress may come back to this and say, all right, well, we'll do it the right way and we'll keep uh, the, the current rules in place? I, I would say a couple things to that is, is one, um, I think there's always concern within the gaming industry for uh, uh, some sort of federal legislation, federal legislation uh, that would modify the existing makeup that, that happened on a state-by-state basis. You know, one of the things that was very clear out of the ruling on Monday was uh, states have a right to legislate their own things, and you can't pit, pit some against the others because allowing some to have legal and some not to right. um, to be able to do that. Uh, the second thing I would say to that is you are seeing the leagues, and, and you saw yesterday the reversal of the NCAA, who had a longstanding policy of we're against any form of sports betting, come out and say we support a federal model. Um while there may be talk of a federal model, um, I think those are a, a long wish, if anything, with that. You know, the NBA has asked for that. Major League Baseball has asked for that. And while those are powerful lobbying groups, um, I go back to 2010, 2011, 2012, when the gaming industry tried to get federal legislation to allow online gaming at a federal level. And no one could come to terms off of that. And if you look at the current climate in Washington that struggles to get a budget passed and not even a budget passed, but continue to fund the government for a number of months, um, that faces a host of other issues from a farm bill to prison reform to infrastructure issues. So we can fix those roads, as, as the representative was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that sports betting is going to be the priority and, and the quick legislative fix that someone's going to come through and say, hey, this works. Uh, just because every state needs to be treated differently in this. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at a state like Michigan that has brick-and-mortar facilities um, versus states like uh, Nebraska that don't have it. And that's another state that's reached out to us to say, how does this happen um, and what does it do? You know, they've got lottery and they've got horse tracks and they've got kino parlors, but they don't have brick-and-mortar. How do you legislate in that? And a federal model may hinder that for a state that wants to do something along the line. Okay. Brendan Bussman, Director of Government Affairs at Global Market Advisors, a consulting firm with clients in the gambling and hospitality business. Uh, Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time and uh, have a great day. Yeah, you too.
That's going to do it for us this week. We will be back on Monday. I hope you will join us then. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Meir. The program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And the associate producer is Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bobian. Remember, if you had to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can listen whenever you are ready. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I will see you on Monday.